0: Welcome to Catholic Family Stories. My name is Emily.
1: And I am Joey.
0: We are excited to introduce this next story because it is one of our favorites. Our dad has always written stories for us, but at the time had never written anything specifically with fairies in it. We all, well, uh, (laughs) I begged him to write a fairy story. This is the story he shared with us as a surprise gift one St. Patrick's Day many years ago. I have been drawing brown fairy illustrations, and we have been writing music for it ever since. Of course, this is more than a fairy story, it has a powerful message of faith that continues to remind each of us not to fall into the temptation of sloth.
1: Sloth is a type of laziness that prevents one from living the real awesome life that God has for each of us. Sometimes we just like to take the easy way out. For us, it usually starts with some sort of entertainment, like video games, movies, idle chatter, or extra sleep, but before you know it, the temptations have turned into obsessions, and nothing seems so important as to avoiding work and getting back on the screen.
0: Sloth is really a form of idolatry, where the worship of your own comfort and ease prevents you from producing something beautiful. Much of Emerald Wind's music only came to be through fighting these temptations and to be open to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and persevere in practicing our instruments and serving each other each day. Thank you, Mom, for encouraging us to practice. Now, lazy sloth, while seemingly comfortable, actually isolates us from each other and blots out the light of love and creativity, preventing God from using us as his instruments to affect beauty.
1: We hope you enjoy this tale of fairies and dragons. We pray it becomes as meaningful to you as it is to us. A reminder that as Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly.
2: And now, part one of the Brown Fairies of Widner Castle by Joseph Scordato. Children, you must first understand that this legend was never meant for your ears. For reasons to become evident, such a tale as this, though fantastic and similar to stories of fantasy, was never allowed to be relayed to children, lest they employ its contents towards an ill end. Only now I find myself at a moment of weakness, my good sense not inhibited by good drink or the gentle touch of my dear wife's hand to my face, but by that of goodwill and the feebleness of a father's defenses to children's simple desires. In my mind's eye, I gaze into your innocent and loving eyes, you who want to know a story of fairies. With regrets, I know of no fiction in this regard. I can only share the truth of the creatures that indeed secretly play in your shadows each day and of whom you are wholly unaware. So, as I gift this history to you, clasp your hands over your ears, but open your hearts. In the end, call it allegory or art, but not fiction and not fact. This is the realm where fairies and children play.
3: Fairies and children play. Fairies and children play. Long before the island glistened in the emerald wind of silky grasses and spirited coastal waters, it was a leafy sea of walnut groves. They were the first of their kind. The land was known as Woodenmar. It was beautiful and young. The eldest and largest tree in the land, the tree whose trunk and branches outstretched in a grand praise to the Father of all life, was planted with loving devotion by a simple sparrow. The small brown bird was the first emissary to this land after the great flood. Upon happy orders, he and his tender mate carried the seed from the boat that rests on the great mountain of the Far East.
2: The seed had been retained by humble men in a traditional remembrance of a promise from the time prior to that of man. With care and devotion, the birds planted the nut in a patch of soil. Here, fertile earth had accumulated upon the deep crags of mighty rocks jutting out of the sea, seemingly impervious to the erosion of an eon they spent the remaining days happily ensuring that the sprig would be protected from tempests and other simple harms. The land had not yet seen the threat of fire or beast.
3: In these early days, rays of light required assistance. Their phases and frequencies needed gentle guidance and training now that they could be bent and splashed about into various colors to form rainbows in any number of sparkling splendors the new order of promise required. Morfidalian was the responsible entity. Neither creature nor phenomena, she was what you might name a fairy, the Golden Fairy. She was lighter and faster than light itself, And being a tachyonic being, was not subject much to the harnesses of gravity nor time. This allowed her to gather lights and focus colors on the grand scale, folding them into beauties and reflecting them into glists, patterns of sparkling radiance. She taught the light well, and the load of her work decreased each day. It was on one of these slower moments that she first noticed Kiefer, the solitary and grand adventurous figure of a fairy folk, navigating his sailing vessel amongst the glists of the starlit waters. Unable to resist the opportunity for feminine mischief, Moore interrupted his solitude, performing a dazzling dance about him. Flashing sparkling moonlight across his deep blue eyes. It was during this dance that she happened to look deeper into these windows of his soul and then, as if drawn by a greater and more attractive force than time and gravity, she placed her golden hands into his to remain there forevermore.
2: Kifer was of a class of blue fairies that transported good news, whispery thoughts from faraway lands, and delivered them to the ears of innocents in the ancient tongue taught to children by their guardian angel while still in the womb. Being young yourself, you may be familiar with these whispers, which particularly stand out when distorted by imaginative translations that produce playground pronouncements of the sort
1: Did you know that people on the other side of the world walk upside
4: down? and Look at me! I'm the fastest person alive!
3: Mostly, however, the messages when untampered remind the soul that smiles and kindness are universal. Bullies are shameful. And that death is not nearly as final as the Creator's great plan.
2: And so it was that long before surnames came into practice, and brides would replace theirs with their husband's family name as a sign of clan bond, Kiefer took the name Kiefer Moore, for Moore had become his soul, and they were one. From that moment onward, Kuyper Moore's hands shimmered with the golden light of their love. Hurricanes and dense midnight sea fogs would instantly give way to the dawn whenever Kuyper opened his hands to reveal Moore's brightly gilded palms, one with his own. It was on occasions such as these, as well as many others, that Kuiper and Moore would laugh with the sheer joy of living.
3: It was through these laughs and giggles, something unique in all Fairyland occurred. Brown fairies were born. As you probably could guess, Kuiper and Moore were soon the happy parents of many brown fairies. One thousand six hundred and eighteen to be exact! <laughs> Fee was the eldest, a female, and Ton, the youngest, a male. I won't go into the names of all those fairies in between, but I have heard that a full genealogy of the early family was recorded in the annals of Taraklinfar presumed to be lost when the ruins of Widner Castle fell. The Moors were the first to populate Widmar, living joyfully on the canopy of the walnut trees.
2: After the first and great battle of Widner Castle, many of them ventured forth to dwell in the beautiful and misty marshes in neighboring island nations. Even today these places are known as the Moors, in forgotten tribute to these first inhabitants.
3: When the brown fairies were still children, their mother, Moor, Delighted with the activity of her beloveds, Gave them instruments crafted from the golden mean. She was, after all, the golden fairy. Soon. Whittemar was filled with the beautiful tones of the first harps, flutes, bowrins, and fiddles, weaving golden symmetries back and forth in music and dance in much the same manner that Moore had taught frequencies of light, to form into visible harmonics of rainbows and glories, hints of Kiefer's whisper messages, could be recognized in their melodies.
2: I have heard that some modern-day legends of fairies propound that fairy flight is accomplished through the use of fairy powder, pollen-like particles similar to those found on the wings of butterflies. While this may be true of story fairies, there certainly is no basis of it for brown fairies.
3: Fairies propel through the air into some dance. No fairy can fly on their own. However, when paired in symmetric hops, sweeps, and whirls, they can traverse great distances nearly rivaling the speed of their mother. Their curious flight, I suspect, inspired the lively jigs and reels we know today.
2: Though we enjoy and are familiar with such spirited dance, the fairy flight dance had an added magical quality that would confound the modern physicist. The amazing feat is namely this. When brown fairies fly dance, another fantastic being can be seen to appear during glimpses in the dance cycle. As the bouncing pair flips topsy-turvy in their orientation, This new creature, though fairy-like, is not brown. Its color, while briefly visible, is indescribable. As if there were an entirely new color reserved to itself, of which we simply have no experience. Yet it is just as real as yellow or blue. It is quite grand to see a new color altogether. I wish I could describe it to you, but it is unlike any of the other colors you are familiar with. I like to call these figures winks. While I do not know the role of these winks in fairy flight, I feel fairly sure that they are like thermals are to wind or angels are to us.
3: I am sure you would agree with me that Wittenmar was a wonderful place full of music, dance, love, and life. These were the early days of the Brown Fairies, and before Widner Castle, the Great Tree, was used for its protection. It all began to change the day that poor Fee discovered the enjoyment of shade. You see, even though the fairies lived amongst the walnut trees. They delighted in the warm golden sunlight. It would never dream of purposefully entering the shaded regions unless required by emergency. They spent the entirety of their days and nights playing and resting above the leafy flooring of treetops, basking in the light of the sun, moon, and stars. Even rainy days were fun for fairies above the leaf for they eagerly awaited the rainbow, their mother's exquisite handiwork, like children anticipate Independence Day fireworks with electric eagerness in our
2: country. Dark overcast evenings were equally filled with excitement and love as Kiefer would playfully open his hands to let Moore's golden light brighten their evening with a light show as such that rivaled the aurora borealis. You see, entering the shade for a fairy would be for us as disagreeable as a lonely exile into the bitter winter-night cold, without so much as a blanket to substitute for the warmth of companionship. Amongst fairies, exposure to the shade for too long was commonly considered. To be the only manner in which a fairy could perish the cheerful sprites were not afraid of the shade theirs was not a fearful and worrisome personality they had known nothing but the familial bonds of light beauty and recounts of brave journeys through their parents an excursion into the shade was of no interest not even for adventure's purpose it was the place where it seemed that the life teeming all about them was absent.
3: It was not that dear Fee was looking for shade or attempting to be daring. On that fateful day, while chasing sun rays with her sisters, she caught a glimpse of an odd patch of shadow that seemed to wiggle like a thin black leaf above the other leaves. Oh, what what is this? She had always known light to dispel darkness, but here was a dark something that resisted illumination. She went to investigate alone, so not to present a potential danger to her siblings. Her innocent intention was to gather information regarding the curiosity and report it back to her mother. As she drew closer, "This is not a
0: shade patch or a black leaf. What is this creature?"
3: It was slug-like. Though she had never seen a slug prior, to know what slug-like meant, it was entirely new for her just like the color of wings are for us. She walked closer to it to examine it better. It was here that the weight-bearing strength of the leaf gave out.
4: Ah, help!
3: As she slipped down the face of the bending leaf, she quickly grabbed hold of the black slug to prevent her from falling into the shade her hand stuck to the slug as if it were made of hot tar. The leaf flipped, its sunny side directed downwards, casting a dark shade upon poor Fee, hanging by one hand, suspended by the black sticky slug. Curiously, the flip resembled a dance move, with Fee moving her feet in habitual jiggy motions, when she spun around with her new dark partner, something altogether different from a wink was produced. Its thin, black, and tarry body slithered and weaved in the air about Fee, propelled by black skin-like bony wings. It nudged Fi onto the upside-down slug, and there she found... Comfortable rest in the abominable shade. Mm.
2: Many hours later, the deep, restful darkness broke into a subtle dark purple ink blotch and gradually gave way to warm golden hues, followed by the voice of Fee's mother calling her children at the end of the day. The voice reached into Fee's dull drowsiness and pulled her out with a shock. Fee found herself jolting from the tar slug with ease, and without any sticky residue on her clothes.
4: Oh, oh
3: coming!
2: She ran home.
3: The next day, although the sun was glorious and warm, it seemed to beat down hot and un bearably heavy upon poor Fee. Rather than join in the music and dance, she sought out the black slug. She was surprised at how relieved she felt to find it. She was also startled to see several more slugs on the leaves. Nevertheless, she approached one of the slugs and settled her body into it as you would sink into a large black bean bag made of jelly. She was Unaware that Perfindel, her brother and usual flying partner, had followed her. In trusting mimic of his older sister, he sat into a slug of his own. Like before, the leaves flipped over with the added weight. In the flipping, two more slithering black flying creatures appeared and swarmed around Fee and Perfindel like spiders weaving invisible webs around their prey.
2: While Fee and Perfindel slept, the dark serpent slithered through the air and deposited more slugs on the tree leaves. They were, in fact, eggs that were laid. You have perhaps guessed that within a short number of days most of the brown fairies had broken from their usual joys new phrases entered the vocabulary of the fairy folk expressions like
4: do i have to
2: and
0: i already did my practice
2: came to refer to the happy music and dance that now were considered chores these activities that were the hallmark of fairy life, were resisted and quickly discarded for the easy, deep, and restful satisfaction of incubating the Eggs of Dragons.
3: With so many fairy siblings missing, the younger brown fairies were left abandoned without anyone to pair with them to dance, fly, or accompany their music. Neglected, the young fairies wandered about Widenmar, searching for their older brothers and sisters. Feelings of confusion grew into loneliness, which then developed into insecurity and finally fear. Alien vile and corrupting fear was now known in Widmar. It was on this frightful day that Kiefer and more heard the sound of only a few weak and trembling glissandos whisper through the woods. They realized that something had gone terribly wrong.
2: You can imagine their sorry horror when they reached the edge of the tree branches in their urgent search and peered under the leaf line. The still noon air shook with Kiefer's terrible warlike shriek. Something unseen was violently torn from Moore's heart. Her tears burned like a flowing wall of salty acid upon her fine eyes distorting the nightmarish sight of their beloved children stuck motionless in the hundreds of black globs dotting the undersides of leaves. Shockwaves of Kiefer's scream continued to ring, searching for a child's ears to listen. It found none, and so continued to echo against the surreal gasping sounds of Moore's despairing sobs. They hardly noticed the darkness rise above the horizon like the negative image of a dawn break. The shade steadily progressed across the canopy of leaves normally bathed in life-giving sunlight. Kiefer glanced upward into the sky when he began to notice the dimming of daylight. What he saw created shivering tremors through his body, At first, it appeared to be an immense liquid sea of Indian ink rising above the horizon to eclipse the sun. However, as it grew closer, yes closer, kuiper could see that it was not a fluid body, but rather a swarm. He began to pick out details of an army of black, slithering, flying snakes, charging in offensive position and seemingly awakened to battle by his own cry, still resounding through the woods like an emergency siren.
0: You have just listened to part one of the Brown Fairies of Widner Castle. I know, it's a horrible place to take a break from the story. I promise you there is a very happy ending. If you have not already, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the awesome conclusion.
1: In the meantime, we encourage you to watch your own behaviors. Throughout the day, reflect on what you're doing and why, bringing it to God each time. This is called making an examination of conscience. My dad tells us, that what helps us is to physically touch the cross you wear around your neck at times when you stumble and sin or tempted throughout the day. This makes it easier to remember at the end of the day what to place into the Lord's hands and sleep the night in a good peace, resting in Christ's heart.
2: Let us pray together. Loving Christ, jesus you are the way the truth and the life the riches you present us with are glorious and beyond all earthly value you give us each other and in an even greater intimacy you give us yourself the great light to illuminate our lives you obliterate our idols You forgive our sins and unveil the beauty you create through us and all about us. You have positioned us in a joyful chorus. We sing a great song of thanks to you who have sweetened us so with life and goodness. Lord, grant us wisdom to recognize when we are about to settle for laziness and self-servitude. This always leads to loneliness and an eclipse of the beautiful life. You have shown us that life is best lived when lived for you and each other from a heart of love. Grant us the grace to examine our conscience well throughout the day and lay our stumbles and obsessions at the foot of your cross, there to finally rest in joyful freedom. In other words, Lord, grant us the grace of a good confession this month. We ask this in your holy name, Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. From our family to yours, God bless you. Our meditation music is Emerald Wind, written and performed by Emerald Wind.